Lazy Gardener podcast. Welcome to the Lazy Gardener podcast, and it's all about September on this particular bit of audio you're listening to. And Rob Foster's here. I'm Ian, and uh, welcome, Rob. How you doing? Hello, Ian. Yes, September is here. September's here, dear. Oh dear, we're creeping slowly towards. Oh no, I don't want to talk about it. But so, hang on, but before we before we go any further, before we we malign September too much, September doesn't tend to be that bad, does it? Weatherwise, I mean, come on, let's be honest. It's sort of like the summer sometimes creeps into September, and maybe into the next month as well. Very much so. I've known some better weather in September and October than June or July. So let's not be too downbeat about it. But no, you know, I the, shouldn't be. You're the, quite right. The summer, <laughs> the summer is over in the garden. Really, it's the, as we head towards autumn. What's happening? Well, as the summer starts to relax into an upholstery of foliage, the approach to autumn can be magnificent time. Oh, Do you like good, that? I love that it can be a magnificent time in the garden uh, and it's when things get really busy in preparation for cooler weather and spring of next year. So if you have not done so already, start tidying your borders. Stock up with spring flowering bulbs, uh, pl- uh, bulbs, plants and shrubs. See to your lawn, get that in, in order and keep homegrown crops going strong. Now, we've already mentioned this sort of thing. We're in September now. We've mentioned containers in past uh, pods. Uh, it's, as you get to winter, people don't realise that greenery is very, very important. So the more you can do that, the better. And the longer you can keep growing crops, the better. Now, this um, is, when you say it's important, you say it's important for, for people's well-being. Exactly. Yeah. And there's also this... Uh, or what's this? Uh, I can't think of the name now. The acronym for seasonal order. Sad, isn't it? Yes, yeah, sad. That's it. Seasonal, seasonal adjustment dis- disorder. Or yeah, that's like right. That. Yeah, and there's a lot of people suffer with that. And it's all part of all the bare wood you see around you, bare trees, and everything's bare and concrete showing through. But as you look around now, you, you probably don't appreciate it so much. But as you go around, everything's green. And where there's no green, there's colour, and that makes a massive difference, albeit subliminally. Did I say that right? So, blibbinally, uh, it, you know, it just gets through to you eventually. This is about sort of preparing for the winter, yeah. for the autumn, to make sure that you still have, you know, something exciting in your garden that will make you feel good. Yeah, and, and that's why you want to start buying, particularly spring flowering bulbs, as we've said, because they will start popping up. After the winter, you're feeling a little bit down. The crocuses all start. The crocuses are one of our most favourite flowers. You get all the crocuses showing through, and the daffodils and the tulips, and it really, really perks you up. And you can ask any doctor that in spring his waiting list, his, his waiting room, it goes down, and they know exactly. They can tell you exactly what season it is by what people have got in the waiting rooms. Now, I think summer bedding and hardy perennial plants, such as red beckia. That's how that's pronounced, Redbeckia, Coreopsis and Asters will start dying off this month. Now, you will need to remove any dead growth now to keep your garden tidy and to prevent the build-up of disease. So it's important to bin or burn any disease growth to help avoid the spread of any disease. The rest can go into your compost heap. Now, however, you might, like me, want to leave the old stems in place until the new year as wildlife will eat the seeds and the stems can look attractive. They really can look attractive, especially when covered with frost. So you can leave the stems there, but any flower heads, remove them, any dead or diseased materials, move them. 
So what about um, shrubs then at this time of year? Yeah, cut back to all shrubs. As this time of the year, we can have some windy weather that can damage plants and even swell displays. Now, one of my trees was blown over the other day in one of the containers because... Actually, I put the wrong compost in. I put multipurpose instead of John Innes. So to avoid this, it's worth using canes to prop up or up top-heavy plants such as dahlias and chrysanthemums. Quick-growing shrubs like buddleia, lavateria and climbing roses can also be damaged by strong winds. So to avoid this, cut back the tallest stems by one-third. So the rule of thumb is here, if it's tall and it can be blown over, stake it, stabilise it. And it's a foliage that, that acts like a sail. So if you've got something with a lot of foliage, the wind's going to blow into it and blow it over or it can damage it. So make sure it's either fastened down or you, you cut it back, you cut the tallest stems back by one third. What about the greenhouse in September? Now, yes, now at this time of year, we're told to clean the greenhouse to avoid any disease, etc. Now, if you haven't had any problems with any disease or pest, then I would not go to these lengths of scrubbing it down. However, it is a good idea to clear any rubbish and plant debris and clean the glass. Uh, cleaning the glass is beneficial as this allows more lighting, especially as we approach the darker nights and murkier days. And also check your greenhouse heater to make sure it works. So I wouldn't advocate getting your scrubbing brush out and start scrubbing everything down. It is unnecessary. Same as scrubbing your pots down. People advocate, still advocate washing and scrubbing the pots. That's a terrible job, and I used to do it years ago, and I've never done it now for 15 years. All I do is knock the soil out, make sure there's no lumps of soil in there, stack them and use them again. What happened with this years ago is it's when it was... They uh, had a great labour force on the gardens and on the walled gardens, and it was just a matter of finding the labour force something to do. And that's what they used to get them doing, cleaning and scrubbing and scrubbing floors. And it's unnecessary unless you have problems with the disease, then you need to go to town. We are starting to prepare a little bit for, dare I say it, the C-word Christmas in I September. I know. It, 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 it is there. And it, it's the same old adage. Fail to prepare, prepare to fail. And prepared icings for Christmas are especially treated. Now, these are especially treated bulbs so that they flower in time for Christmas. So they need planting now. Keep them in a cool, dark, frost-free place, such as a shed or garage. After about eight weeks, a flower bud will start to show colour. Once they've reached this stage, move them to a cool, light spot. Don't move them earlier or the leaves will put on a rapid growth and cover the flowers. So timing is a bit crucial here. Keep them here for a further two weeks to develop fuller, then move them to where you would like to enjoy the, uh, the, the, get the enjoyment from them, you know, put them in the place where you want to keep them. And we've got a bit of a rest period, haven't we, for, for, for one particular plant? Yeah, now cacti and succulents, and one of my favourite plants, one of the first plants I grew at school when I was head gardener and so that's why I've got a sort of a connection with succulents so but you don't feed or water any cacti or succulents at this time of year this is their rest period but as spring arrives you know their normal care can resume as they start to grow again start to water them and, and give them a little bit of specialist feed and that's fine but this time of the year they just sort of sit back in the chair or in the pot in this case and they just sit there and enjoy the winter. And this, well, sort of, it's a sort of hibernation period for them. Even the ones that are inside? Yeah, yeah. 
even the ones that are inside, it's amazing how dry the soil can get for a cacti or succulent, and it will not affect it. So you've got to be very careful. If you water it too much, you're going to rot it. So, yeah, it was that little bit, very, very tiny amount. It's got to be very firm, the soil, as almost on the point of what you think is drying out before you even think about adding any water. And then just a few drops. September is a time when you might be able to pick some of those tomatoes if you've been lucky with your tomato plants take yeah them off well tomatoes are fairly easy to grow but they'll do like high potash feed they were growing away in in the greenhouse but if you've not already stopped your cordon types then do it now ideally you should stop them after six trusses also remove older leaves at the base this allows uh, better air circulation around the bottom but keep pinching the tendril the little growth out in between the axles keep pinching them so that it grows upwards Keep feeding, and then as your tomatoes ripen, you obviously you take them off. But later on, if you had the green ones, you can always ripen them, take them off. You can put them in a drawer, uh, particularly with a, a, a ripe apple, or better still, an overripe banana. And the ethylene gas will just permeate through onto it, and they will turn red within a matter of a couple of days. It's not good enough just placing them in the banana bowl, for example. You've got to put them in an area where the gas can sort of gather. Yeah, it's ethylene gas, and it's a killer. It's actually killing the plant. So it's all it's doing is hastening its death. And by doing that, it's got to ripen first, then it's going to die. Uh-huh. So that, that's what you're doing. You're sort of manipulating it. Cucumbers. Cucumbers. Now, a lot of people have trouble with cucumbers, especially when they're starting off. When you first start cucumbers off, as I've said on previous pods, you you must keep the base of that uh, stem dry until it's established. Then it gets very woody and it's ve- it's okay then to wet it. But you must keep it, otherwise it just falls over. People say, my cucumber's fallen over. And what's that? And the base has rotted. It's been too wet. Also with uh, cucumbers, they throw these t- long tendrils out because that's what they do in nature in the wild. They climb, they climb it towards the sun, get to the light. But as we've got them in the greenhouse, there's no need for this. So cut them off because they take a hell of a lot of juice from the plant. They take a lot of power away. So what you need to do is cut these off and instead of them clinging to the canes or the supports, just tie the stem in with a bit of string or, or a bit of twine. And it's a lot easier to do that. Then all the energy will go into the making cucumbers. And as I've said, this before i've had as many as six there 60 cucumbers off one plant is it raspberry time yet yeah uh, now this is what we're talking not we spoke about summer now this is autumn fruiting raspberries such as autumn bliss it's been out for quite a while now this was a real uh, uh, uh discovery when they when they really bred this autumn bliss it was a fantastic thing to breed and it's uh they should be at the peak by now and any that is surplus to requirements can be frozen. So you can freeze raspberries, they will freeze okay for use later on. But wait until the late winter before pruning before you prune these canes. And pruning autumn grown raspberries is very easy. You just chop the whole lot down to within about an inch of the ground and it's as simple as that. But they don't want pruning yet. Now, as we approach um, autumn, um, do, the, do, do the beasties in the garden, the pests, the vermin disappear? No, they are there all the year. And what I will mention again, though, and I've, I've mentioned this before, but it's worth mentioning again, is when people are sitting out in the in in the garden having a barbecue, and they've got cans of pop there, and they're drinking it straight out of the can. Because I've witnessed this on many occasions. What happens? A bee or a wasp is attracted, and the wasp falls into the can, and you can't see it. And you take a swig, 
and next thing it's in your mouth and next thing you're being stung and that still happens in September because those wasps do kick about for quite a while don't they they do very much so yeah and they are getting very dangerous at this time of year as are bees because they're starting to eat fruit that's ripe and it makes them it makes them drunk it actually makes them drunk and that's why it seems staggering about you know. and, it, and it makes them more aggressive I guess exactly and you hit it right on the head there it does make them more aggressive what about disease in the garden yeah, well, you've got to be uh, very vigilant. That, that's a word. Uh, I mean, if you see bright orange spots appearing on the leaves of your pear tree, it's unmistakably pear rust. One good thing about rust is it's host-specific. In other words, pear rust will not affect any other plant. Onion rust will only affect onions, not any other plant. So rust is host-specific. So this is the time of the year that you are most likely to get uh, the, these bright orange spots. To control the fungal disease, which it is a fungal disease, remove any affected leaves as quickly as possible. Alternately, spray it with a fungus control. And that's as much as you can do about the, that, that particular disease or, or that particular fungal infection. What about your Brussels in September? Yeah, now Brussels, what you have to realise with Brussels, they they don't need a lot of nitrogen like cabbage do. They're more responsive to something like a tomato feed. So to encourage plants to develop properly, now is a time of year to cut the tops off. It's like a little cabbage at the top, and you cut those off, and they are a real delicacy, believe you me. But once you cut that top off, you've stopped it. That's what's called apical dominance. That's where all the growth and the activity is. So once you cut that off, then it will encourage the plant to put more energy into individual sprouts. These will swell, and don't forget, you can eat, as I said, you can eat the tops that you have removed, and you cook them as you would cabbage. They are, as I said, a real delicacy. But by, as I said, by cutting the tops off, then you stop the plant growing up, and it starts growing sideways. And this, in turn, produces more brussel sprouts. And, and then don't give them too much nitrogen, because they will actually blow. In other words, they open up, and they're no good then. And finally, for the September podcast, we are going to turn our attention, quite a lot of attention, to the lawn. Yeah, a lot of people in grow lawns who think, well, I don't like gardening, so I'll grow a lawn. But what, you've have to, what you have to realise is a lawn is pretty labour-intensive. You know, it, it's, 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 not the, it's not a cop-out. You can't get away from it. So September is a key month for getting your lawn into shape. Grass clippings and moss accumulate in the lower layers of the lawn and form a dense material, and this is called thatch. And this is why we scarify it. We get a springtime rake, and we rake it. And you'll be amazed at the stuff that comes out. And I've made two or three hanging baskets from the thatch that's come out. I've made liners for the hanging baskets. They say for three, uh, sometimes four baskets, uh, uh, enough thatch there to make a nice liner for them. So uh, if, if you leave that in, then all the water and nutrients cannot reach the grass roots. So that's why it's important that you must uh, do this uh, dethatching. So, or in other words, the proper name is scarifying. As I said, a springtime rake is a, a springtime rake is ideal for the job. The soil beneath the turf can become also with all the winter activity, it can become compacted. So this will cause a, a very bad drainage, which encourages moss and lawn diseases. You can remedy this by one way only, and that's by aerating the turf. Now. On smaller lawns, you can use a fork to stab it right in, make sure the fork goes right in, and just lift the turf very gently. In other words, just shake the fork back, backwards and forwards, and then do this all over the lawn. 
If you have a large lawn, then you can iron aerating machine for about £12 a day. Very cheap, very effective. And these actually remo- remove tiny cores of earth, which is better still. And this allows water in, it allows the, the soil to expand, and, and, you, and you stop this compaction that causes all the problems. We're going to talk about top dressing now. What is top dressing? Yeah, top dressing is, uh, I think this was, this was originally an American term. But when you, you normally mix uh, feeding with the soil, but once the plants are established, there's only one way you can feed them, and that's by putting the feed on the top of the soil and letting it wash in. And that's why it's called top dressing. You're actually dressing the soil with the fertiliser on the top. And the, this uh, uh, top dressing the lawn is also a good way to aerate and help prevent or help level the surface because you get a lot of undulations in the lawn. So if you put a top dressing on it, in which you can either buy ready-made or you can make your own with six parts sharp sand, three parts sieved soil and one part sieved garden compost. And apply this about one kilogram per square metre. But remember, it depends how big your little umps and bumps are. And you've got to get it to the ground. It can't just be on the top of the lawn. No, what you do is just spread it on top of your lawn. And then brush it all brush over. Brush it down past the yeah. Well, you just brush it. Grass. And when you've done it, you think, "What have I done to my lawn?" Because it looks a bit of a mess then, because it's all sticking to the blades of grass and that. It looks a little bit like um, the the grass next to a bunker on a golf course, doesn't it? Very much so. Yeah. Exactly. But as soon as you get a bit of dampness, a bit of rain, it washes it all down. And that nice top dressing of compost will wash down to the roots. It will. Uh, it will encourage a lot of new growth and a lot of root activity but I must bear in, must mention this and I mentioned it time before of days gone by which anyone will not remember every garden or nearly every garden had a roller stuck in the corner of the garden and that's when these went out of fashion that's when our, a lot of our problems started now when you're rolling a lawn you, you do a, a, it's not there to level the lawn. A lot of people think it's to level the lawn. It doesn't. Now, chafer bug is pretty prevalent, particularly in Rainers, which is the epicentre for it in the country. Now, rolling a lawn, you should squash all the bugs and all the eggs. You squash them. They had no problem. And also, it squashed the grass tiller in, grass will tiller. It squashed them into the soil and they rooted. So you got less disease, less pests, and a better growth. And that's why... Bring rollers back. You get rollers on back of uh, mowers, but they aren't big enough. Get the old steel one back with a self-centering handle. You know, when you let go of the handle, it stood upright. Absolutely brilliant. And they are an essential part of keeping a garden or a lawn brilliant. They really are. Now, finally, after the after the, the summer months, the, the the lawn can be if it's if it's not been looked after that much, it can start to look a bit sparse in areas, can't it? So, how do you thicken yeah, your lawn? Yeah, there's several ways in of doing this. You can thicken your lawn by lightly forking over the the bold areas and sprinkle on some grass seed. This will grow very quickly at this time of the year because the soil is still relatively warm and it will plug any gaps before winter. The problem with a lot of domestic lawns is, as I've said, it's very hard to see a, a, a lawn roller now. But what you need to do, as I've said, is sprinkle, just fork over the bald patches, sprinkle some seed on, it will soon grow away. Or, alternately, a full-size seed tray, putting some nice multi-purpose compost, sprinkle seed on top, keep it in the greenhouse or wherever you want to, if you want, you can leave it outside, and it will quickly grow. 
and fall, form a massive root. So you just tap that, then put it on your bulb patch, mark it squ- mark a square, cut it out, the exact size of that turf, what you're just growing, and just drop it straight in. And you don't even know it's, you've had a bulb patch. Beautiful. So September then, I mean, is it a good time for you in the garden? Is it? Yeah, or, sep- or are you starting to feel a little bit wist? You know, the whole summer's over. No, September, is, it brings a gardener out and a lot of people because you start thinking, well, hold on a minute, it's, it's not ending yet. And we start sowing other things. We keep a continuity of, 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 uh, of flowers. Uh, your winter pansies, you get them in the in, in, in your borders or in your pots and your containers. You start sowing lettuce for continuity. You get you can get your winter lettuce. You can start sowing carrots. There's all sorts of things you can do in the garden. So that's where the gardener gets going. When the going gets tough, the gardener gets going. Brilliant stuff. And and I suppose the big thing that we talked about right at the beginning of this podcast is to try and keep some colour in your garden. Colour is important over it, the autumn, winter months. It's so important. And I've said this before and I'll say it again and many times again. Colour is so important, not only in your garden, but for local authorities to put around here, the planters they put around, they don't realise the benefit that gives to the public and they're cutting back on them and it's a false economy. They are so easy to plant up, so cheap to plant up, so easy to maintain and by sponsorship they could have Mansfield, I could have it, I could have Mansfield full of blooms. And people, you've seen people walking a marquee like a deflower show and go, ooh, look at these. And that's the effect that this uh, a lot of flowers locally have on people it lifts them up it's good for the endorphins is gardening so thank you very much uh, for, for doing this podcast the September podcast if somebody wants to get in touch with you ask you a question how do they do it yeah it's a bit of pleasure Ian and they can get in touch by thelasergardener.org or the Twitter which is have you remembered it at R.E. Foster 2 Yes, That's it. you've remembered it. Great first, I didn't even know what it was to go on this show. <laughs> you set it up. I know I did. <laughs> the Lazy Gardener Podcast. Go well in the garden, go well in life. 